0: This episode is powered by Poddex. up, geeks, fanboys, and fangirls, just to let you know, this episode talking Pop is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you are a new podcaster or an existing broadcaster like ourselves, and you want to look to grow your audience and get more engagement with your fellow listeners, you want to check out poddex.com. They have different selections of episode question, episode suggestions, interview questions. Um, there's also ones for like you can play games for your interviewee. There's one like Would You Rather or like What Ifs. Um, they have, and right now, if you go right now, you can use the promo code Pop for 10% off your first order. Honestly, Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have some more meaningful conversations or gamify their podcasts. Simply shove up the cards, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at Poddex.com and use the promo code Pop for 10% off your order. We also want to thank our sponsor, Anchor, for also helping us out, get this podcast out to you guys. Anchor is pretty much the easiest way to create a podcast. They help you monetize it and also help you distribute it to many platforms such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast fixed. And guess what? We're also available on iHeartRadio. So let's get on with the show. Hey, what up, guys? Um, Welcome to another edition of Talking Pop. It's the podcast on all things pop culture. I'm your illustrious host, Alfonso Bergen, also known as The Fonchise. Of course, joining me is my brother Biko. What's up, guys? And today's episode, we decided again, like I said, when I think our sponsored pod decks, we decided to shuffle from the deck. And pretty much, the one thing we popped was, did Buck miss in your industry? So, pretty much, um,. We're going to take, like, this is actually a really good idea, Vico, because there's so many, like, you know, pop culture's a, you know, a broad subject, and you are pretty much, like, it's a, like, stop. <laughs> Sorry, Elf is being a little annoying, but, um.
1: Trying we're trying
0: to hold off Elf at the same time. Yeah, Elf's a little kitty that, you know, he, like, says the attention and comes up to you. So, um, like I said, we drew the card, Vico drew the card out, and it came up being the bunk missing in your industry. So being pop culture, being, once again, being a broad topic, um, we decided this week we're going to dedicate it to movie myths. Because there's been a lot of those, like, urban legends behind film productions um, and pretty much stuff that, you know, gets discussed over years. And it takes a while for them to get debunked or they're probably still relevant to this day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I end up, like, going online and I actually found something from, let me see, I actually pull up Google. Um, this is from, this website is from ScreenRant.com. It's called The 15 Families Hollywood Myths That Just Won't Die. So we're going to go over this list and pretty much we do our best like, hand to see based on what the research they had and see how they're able to come up to debunk that myth. Okay. So the first one will have to be, let's see, this one's from number 15. They have the ghost boy and three men and a baby. Um, if you're not familiar with three men and a baby... Um, it's the film with uh with Ted Danson, Tom Selleck, and Steve Gunberg. They're like three bachelors living in New York. They share an apartment. I think was it one of them like a uh, painter or something, and one's like a commercial artist or something. And for some reason, they end up like you know. And they pretty much what it is is they. The next story is they find this girl on the doorstep, and the mom can't take care of it, so they took it upon themselves. Talk about three bashers that didn't know how to raise a kid, <laughs> so it's like it talks about the stupid tribulations they went through just to raise the kid as their own as their own daughter so pretty much what the myth is here is supposedly there's a kid or somebody appearing in the background, and I just pull up the image here, and I guess it's a scene where pretty much Ted dances character Jack and his mother are pretty much says they're walk- walking through the apartment. What is the Hmm?
1: Did you say there's a kid that appears?
0: Yeah, suppose there's a kid that appears in the background. Um, let me see if I can find the clip in here so we can review it. Let me pull up the monitor here. better put the line down because, you know, copyright. yeah, right,
1: because it's going to play a clip in
0: the movie. Yeah, let me see if so I can.
1: It's, it's, so it's in between a scene?
0: Yeah, apparently. Let me see if I can look it up on Google, on YouTube real quick.
1: And pull
0: up my baby ghost. That's what it's saying because supposedly there was a kid, like, apparently appeared in it. Let's see if I can pull it up. But based on what I'm going to read for from this article, basically it says urban legend claims that a young boy. Supposedly, as it says here, as legend has it, a figure of a young boy can be seen in the window of the New York City loft where Ted Danson Tom, sex, and sex scene where lived. As Danson's character Jack and his mother are walking through the apartment, what looks like a human figure could be glimpsed to the left behind them. Apparently, the urban legend claims that a young boy was killed in an apartment used for the movie, and his ghost could be seen in the background. A more detailed version of this rumor says that the boy's mother sued the studio after they refused to cut the scene from the film. There is even a wilder version of a story that includes mm-hmm. the mother spotting her dead son in the scene wearing his burial clothes, going insane, and spending the rest of her life in message is Pretty Dark, huh? Okay. So let's see if I can find it. Uh, let's see what we think. I
1: haven't seen that movie in forever.
0: I think it did, did a sequel as yeah, well. Ghost stuff like I think it's a sequel as well. Yeah. It was three men and a little lady. My wife oh, this boy and three men and a baby. Yeah, the
1: title sounded familiar, but I'm just like
0: that. Right? Oh, Three
1: Men and a Baby? Yeah, so others no, like ghosts around it. No, the movie the the title of the movie sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: there's a lot to type. Yeah, so guys
1: because i remember the three actors and all that stuff but i didn't know there was any ghost stuff surrounding the
0: movie. well i mean it depends because you know when they do these productions like they when they have like their production team like scouting all locations um sometimes they're film at on sound stages other times you know they're film you know at actual locations so possibility like haunted plate locations could be a possibility but it's like it depends like for certain scenes sometimes they film a location and then they you know Like I said, they film a style stage, so so maybe like a replica But they gotta use like I mean they'll probably use exterior shots But they'll probably have a production a second unit team to film like exterior shots Here we go, I think I found the scene here Let's See if you can see it real quick. It's like 50 seconds the kid pops
1: in the plan here.
0: Supposedly what Let's keep, looking, let's keep looking. I think it's when they're walking away. Because the image has here when she's holding the baby. So I'm guessing this is Jack's mother. What you, what mother. Like a little kid in the window, suppose. There's a little kid in the window. Watch when they're walking down the hallway. I wonder if I can... It's like when they're walking. There's like a shadow or something by the window. Oh, right by the window here. See? It's like a little kid right here. You'll see it right now. I guess this is when they walk by. It's a little kid. Right there. See it? There's right
1: there.
0: Right. See? Right. There's the myth right there. See? See there's like a little person right there?
1: Oh, popping through.
0: Yeah. People were thinking it's an actual kid. But, I mean, looking at that closely. Let's see what the articles... Oh, it,
1: looks
0: like it looks like a It looks pretty much like a stand-in cutie. A uh, cut stand-in.
1: Did, they, did,
0: did anybody ever come forward asking or say anything about it? Did they, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Says so, okay. Here we go. This is what they debunked it as. Pretty much what it says, and mainly if you look at the still, of the scene's pretty damn creepy. But it turns out that the ghost boy is actually a cutout of dancing that someone left on the set, so it's actually a cardboard cutout. I think the way and says yeah, that's what the, the debunk is. Supposedly, yeah. And then if you look at the still at the scene, it's pretty damn creepy. But it turns out that the ghost Boys actually. A cutout of dancing that someone left on the set. So pretty much somebody goofed up. Originally there was a scene, this is from the article itself. Originally there was a scene in the film where Denson's character, who's an actor, I forgot he's an actor for like commercials and stuff. Films a dog food commercial dressed in a Tux, but it was cut from the finished version. However, the Ghost rumor did help to promote the VHS sales, as well as the sequel, Three Men and a Little Lady. So yeah, I mean honestly, if you look at this is like it's like I can see why if you played it at regular speed. People would think right way, oh, wait, there's somebody there, you know? But, okay. I mean, sometimes there's some things when I, like movies, I found that, you know, that the, they make the final cut. Like sometimes you see a blue mic appearing out of nowhere or somebody's hand. Like I think there was something about Jurassic Park um, during the scene with the raptors when they're walking through the kitchen. Apparently you see the production hands, uh, production team, like puppeteer's hand when he's trying to put the tail down of the raptor. It's a close second shot. I think it was on Reddit or something. I think Reddit is something called Movie Details. And it talked about that as well. But as far as for this myth, I could see why people went crazy for it. But I think about it. This is something where it didn't hurt the film, but actually helped the film. Because according to this, it helped them get sales enough to generate enough revenue to make a sequel. But what do you think of this? You think, because look at this. Honestly, you can tell it's a cardboard cutout.
1: I mean, I can't tell it's a clock it from here, but I can tell it's not. Yeah, like that. Like, I do we wind it back, no, so. It's not a ghost. I can tell
0: it's not a Because, goes. look at it. The windows are closed, so there's no air moving. Yeah, there's something there. So, pretty much, as you can see here, we're we'll looking at it right now, and. She's
1: too quick of the
0: thing. Mm hmm. Yeah, see? as you can see, they're, like, they're moving the baby, and pretty much, you know. See, if they're just walking. Okay, see?
1: Oh, okay. That's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, but...
1: Yeah. You see, that was weird. Yeah, it doesn't cut out when you
0: let it go. But I can see why people back, like... I think this movie was like in the late 80s. Yeah. But I can see why they got the idea that that, some, was weird. that supposedly it was a kid. Yeah, yeah I can guess it's where all the stories start.
1: So when you let the scene play out more, it's weird
0: because it's kind of just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, like, that... I mean, honestly, that... Obviously, that myth is pretty much the bunk itself. I mean... Honestly, that's, like... That was that was weird. Yeah, I believe it more as a cutout
1: than anything. Uh, the way you let the scene play out looks you know, more like a cutout, just like standing.
0: Mhm. Yeah, because apparently, Ted, like I said, they said like Ted dances. Character, he was like an actor for like commercials and stuff. So, like I said, it was highly apparently someone looked down the set. Basically, But <laughs> things happen, you know, when they film scenes. Okay, here's another myth that, that they got for number fourteen. Apparently, it's about Steven Spielberg. Supposedly, the, this, according to this article, it says, Stevensburg got his start after sneaking into Universal Studios.
1: He got his start
0: after what? Yeah, he he got his start after sneaking into Universal Studios. All right. Okay, according to Screen Rant, apparently, the myth was actually started by the man himself. saw first exposure to the inner workings of Hollywood. It came from an unpaid summer internships as a teenager. However, in an attempt to make his background more exciting... The Wonder Kid director embellished in an interview speaking to the Hollywood Reporter in 1969. Spielberg claimed every day for three months in a row, I walked through the gates dressed in a sincere black suit and carrying a briefcase. I visited every set I could, got to know the people, observed techniques, and just generally absorbed the atmosphere. And it says, it, and I'm reading from the article, guys. Two years later, Howard reporter published an kind which Spielberg had improved upon his original story. One day in 1969, when I was 21, I put on a suit and ties, just sneaked past the guard Universal, found an empty bungalow, and set up an office. I then went to the main switchboard, introduced myself, and gave them my extensions so I can get calls. It took Universal two years to discover that I was on the lot. But, um but it says here by 1985 he added further details pushing the timing of his story back 5-4 years It seemed that his first time on a lot was when he was snuck away from the studio tour age 17 so basically he well, it was because of course at this time um I never heard this myth honestly but it's interesting because every time he was being interviewed by the same question he keeps embellishing yeah. it yeah, that's one of those things. And apparently, according to the screenwriter, it was the says, It would have been a great how a legend was true, but the real story is that less than exciting. Pretty much in reality, his first trip was Universal was arranged by his, by his dad. And his internship is mostly clerical work, but we must admit the man is a damn good storyteller. So basically, he, it did confirm that his dad arranged for the trip, but he was an intern. He worked in the cleric department. So I think he did that just to... Either make himself more well known, or just to get more attention to himself. I don't know. That myth seems kind of weak. I don't even call it a myth. I just call it like an embellishment. because you saw that he got interviews at different times and catching like the story and stuff. And he was the one doing it. <laughs> and he was the one doing the myth. That's true. Uh, what's your What's your take on that?
1: I, I don't know, I, I just, that one's, that one's, I don't like that one too much, it's not really, I guess it's not really a myth, it's more like a misunderstanding,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but it's, it's like one that you put on yourself, because you kind of started it in the first place, mm-hmm. which is stupid, because it shouldn't have happened in the first place, because you made it happen, so it's not even a myth, it's just a, more like a crime. A crime you've done to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, injustice. Um, but no, I don't know. I didn't like it too much.
0: No, that would you kind that of that like... Was,
1: what, is that even on the list? I guess it's a myth because it happens, but... I don't know. has been here for long enough to where... Is that really the thing that's holding up his career, too? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see that as the case. I don't know. Don't buy it
0: nah. No. all right. Nah, it was kinda that was kind like of weird. Nah, I was kind a weird one. That's the first time I see on that list, I, it was never mentioned. But, yeah, all right. Number 13, according to ScreenRant.com, these are Hollywood myths, guys. Actress Shirley Eaton actually suffocated during their famous paint scene in Goldfinger. Hmm, so it's like double seven. Says so perhaps one of the most memorable Bond deaths ever, and that's saying something. Shirley Eaton's character in Goldfinger is murdered via epidermal suffocation. Supposedly she died because her skin couldn't breathe. Or as Double Seven puts it, it's been known to happen to cabaret dancers. It's all right, to so as long as you leave a small, bare patch on the base of the spine to allow the skin to breathe. Seriously, is the best spy England has to offer. And with respect to ridiculousness of it at all, in case you didn't already know, you you breathe through your nose and your mouth, not your epidermis. A rumor that began that Eaton actually did die. I remember that began that Eaton actually, <laughs> actually did die from suffocation while filming the scene. It probably wasn't helped by the fact that the filmmakers really did believe that Ian Fleming's death by paint situation was real risk and had the makeup to, had the makeup removed the second the scene was finished. It took an hour, a lot of help, and scrubbing from the makeup artist. And Walter Richards Eaton said the British actress is now in her seventies. is very much alive and well. So that one is To me it's like
1: Wait so she
0: so Supposedly she, they said That supposedly I guess in the movie This is a, the, This was the quote
1: pain, I know that
0: but I guess there's a I guess there's a I mean he, It's something based on what They thought that If you get pain yourself That your skin can't breathe Right I suppose you can die From epithyrus suffocation But people don't realize You just breathe through your mouth And your nose But they thought the skin breathes so they probably thought the time that if you paint if you paint your whole body that you're not gonna be able to breathe, because <laughs> so I guess there's a scene where the character gets painted gold and right. she dies and, she and then supposedly in yeah. the production team I guess the they got to the point where I guess it's something where you believe in your own craft that you believe in your own story right? Uh, crap. like you believe your own writing and then you thought oh, but this is like kind of like weird because it's like try it? Huh? Do they not even try it? Don't they try it? Tom? I mean, they had her with makeup, yeah. so it's like... But this is something where they got so scared to the point that they thought it was real. It was a rumor. Supposedly, like I said, it was a rumor began that Eaton actually did die from skin suffocation while filming the scene. But it's like... You're a professional movie studio. You've got makeup artists. It's like... Why would you believe what other people are saying? It's like it's probably somebody. Either somebody was walking by and they were filming a scene. They probably thought she died for real, <laughs> but it's like you get scared. It's like when well, you see people go to football games or you see professional wrestlers, or even actors wearing makeup and stuff, wearing paint. Sometimes they wear body paint, but it doesn't doesn't stop them from breathing because you're breathing from your mouth and your nose.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, your skin is a healthy type of thing, but it's like, unless it's punctured, then yeah, I could see why. If someone's cut and paint got into their system, okay, I could see why your, their body will suffocate because they can't, you know, paint. This could be deadly if it, if it gets into your, into your body. That would become an issue. Yeah, your body could suffocate because say you got a cut and paint got in there and it soaks through your skin, then yeah, that could be a big issue there. But it's like, you're kind of screwed. But at this case in point this being a myth I mm. I can see why they debunked it <laughs> instead that it took him an hour just to get the paint off so I think by the way and it says here by the way they thought it was real a real risk because they they based it off the books so I think what happened was yeah if you wouldn't realize Double Sun was based on the book series by Ian Fleming it was a book series about the tales of James Bond I guess the way the author described it too much to the point where they actually believed it. They probably thought, "Oh, the author did his research," and they thought, "Wait, hey, we need to we need to take care of this story before she dies." And it's like you realize it was books; it was fiction. Well, like I said, it it like its on you know. I'm glad the actress is okay. She's in her 70s. She's breathing fine. She's living well, but it's interesting. That's that's something that I would never heard of before. Uh, what do you think of that? Which actress? Of oh, this uh, little myth the thing. That, that, that the myth. waiting the whole dust my White paint? Yeah. Your skin didn't die. With it. Um,
1: I guess it's of its time. Um, I could see them believing in that. And that being a concern, concern. They were using that as a, a way to tell a story in the Bond films. Uh, and using them for, the, I guess you could say, the antagonists. Uh, his methods of madness, you could say. Mm-hmm. And it was funny that the myth kind of precedes the movie, so
0: I, I think it's funny. Uh, but no, obviously you can't die from that. But I think it's cool. So interesting, interesting. Yep. I like that. Okay, and of course, uh, number twelve is about Brandon Lee's real-life death was actually featured in The Crow. Mm. And if people are familiar with Brandon Lee, of course, he's the son of Bruce Lee, and like him. And it's ironic that, you know, his dad, Bruce Lee, died um, while he was in the production of Game of Death in 1973. In this case, The Crow was being filmed in 1993. Of course, Brandon Lee, you know, had a rising career. He had a few movies under his belt. He was filming The Crow. Apparently, you know, there's been, like, stories based on on this movie that supposedly um, Brandon Lee died while filming the production due to a faulty uh, prop gun. Um, which was uh, handled dif- wrong by the prop department, which led uh, led to his uh, mention, on, on to his death, and he was able, he was able to uh, finish the movie. And then they became a stand-in. They digitally put his face in on the on the actor, like what when like something like when Bruce Lee died, they had to find a way to uh, finish the *Game of Death*. But here's the article based on that. That time, be Brandon Lee and Bruce Lee was fatally shot in *Santa Crow adaptation to the popular underground comic book series was the film everyone thought would make Lee a household name. Instead, the movie has come to the source of fascination for fans that are religious. I am reading Screamer.com, so I'll give credit to the author. I'm not paraphrasing, this is verbatim. Um, while filming a scene in which his character Draven comes home to find a group of thugs assaulting his fiance, Lee was shot in the abdomen with what was thought to be a blank, but was actually a real bullet. Basically, it was a piece of like something in the gun and it got loose. Um, the crew didn't realize anything had gone wrong until the 28-year-old fell backwards from the glass rather than forwards as planned. And although Lee was rushed to the hospital, he died as a result of his injuries. As for years after the first release, are rumor that the actual footage of Lee's death is incorporated into the final cut. Of course, before we get into the story... Yeah, so that's basically what happened was... Um, yeah, because they rehearsed the scene many times. And I guess there was a piece... I think it was not a real bullet... Well, some piece from a real bullet, but they used blanks, but I guess what it was it was the shell of the bullet of the blank, and what happened was with the powder in it, it kept pushing back to the point where it got pushed so much that when it came time to film, of course the scene was why his character' was supposed to get shot, and that's when he dies, and he gets resurrected as the crow. I guess it got fired prematurely and he fell backwards instead of forward, like I said, in the coronary article. He was supposed to fall forward, but he fell backwards. Right. And pretty much, you know, by the time they, he was starting to bleed out, and pretty much um, that time he was only 28 years old, and pretty much by the time he got to the hospital, he died from bleeding, from bleeding out. So is
1: this a complete
0: accident? So, like I said, and supposedly there's rumors, apparently, that supposedly his actual death was incorporated in the final cut of film. I haven't seen The Crow so I can't really. That's weird. That's crazy. I haven't seen the film. Let's be honest with you. This came out ninety three. I think I was like in eighth grade. I was in third grade around that time. But, um, yeah, I wasn't into like those dark films. About but for
1: them to release it in the final cut of the film.
0: There's a rumor that supposedly he, that his death was shut into the film. Wow. I don't know. if It's even on here, but let me see if I can find something on the crow. Because it's like, yeah. Because I never watched a crow, but It was that? Uh... Huh? Yeah, no, I haven't seen all of it either.
1: three.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to see the. I don't know if
1: anybody, You think somebody on YouTube made a cut of it, of the ending Of his death.
0: I doubt it. That'd
1: be crazy. I doubt crazy. Is the this day. the actual
0: scene? <laughs> I don't
1: know. Because <sighs> this is what sense.
0: Although, this is when he comes back. But I think what happens, they film this movie out of order... Yeah, because I don't think no one's going to have the actual clip, but... I was gonna say that was crazy. Because I think the way people don't realize these films are film out of order, so he probably filmed a lot of the, the, fight, the scenes, but what happens in the movies, they film out of sequence. Well, supposedly the scene is, like I said, I right, read right from the article, it's like he went, this is before Beginnings of the Crow, basically, like his origin, basically. But according to this, it was debunked, and according to this, it says here... It's garbage. Instead, uh, stunt dolls were used to film the crucial scene, which was shot from Eric's point of view to avoid the need for close up shots. The actual video footage was used as evidence into the investigation of Lee's death, but was later destroyed as part of the lawsuit settlement. So there was one, but it wasn't added into the film. So they actually have the studio had the footage of the scene they were, they were filming, but it looks like they already used it for evidence for a law, you know, wrongful, you know, death. Yeah. And they had a subtle, you know, with the family.
1: Oh,
0: that's crazy. But I guess they redid the scene and they used actors. This those. The fact
1: that they still hold on to it.
0: No, they said it got destroyed, so it was destroyed after the summit. Right, that's
1: good. But I'm just saying the fact that they still hold on to it is kind of messed up. But, I don't know. Crazy,
0: but I guess it happened. Yeah. Okay. Alright, number 11. A Munchkin committed suicide in The Wizard of Osset. What the heck? According to Scream Rant, perhaps the most famous movie myth ever, the so-called Munchkin suicide scene takes place at the end of the Tin Man sequence in the reservas Supposedly as Dorothy, the Scarecrow, and their new tin friend set off on the yellow brick road, a small figure could be seen hanging from the tree behind them. What the heck? It's so far away, I can't really tell on this image. Legend has it that a shadow ship is a body of a munchkin who hanged himself during production after being rejected by the object of his affections. Supposedly... Yeah, supposedly that's what it was. That... I guess it was one of the actors that used for the munchkin supposed to hang himself during production to be rejected by his object of his Says the reality is... Okay, so that myth's got the bonk. Uh, the bunk. It got debunked. Oh, uh, apparently, yeah. So, there's a still from the Visitor of Oz. I don't know if I can pull it up on here on the monitor, but it's like. It's fine. But supposedly, there's a scene when you know, they meet the Tin Man and you know they're on their way to. They're following the brick Road, and supposedly, it's like a little silhouette or something in the background. And they thought it was like a hanging munchkin or somebody hanging themselves. But apparently they debunked it. Supposedly it says here, reality is less gruesome. To create more outdoorsy fuel, filmmakers let a group of wild birds loose on the set. The shadow's not a hanging body, but it's actually one of the bigger most likely to be an emo or a crane. It says the avian, excuse me, be seen flimsy, but there's very little evidence for the Munchkin suicide. The outbreak Road scene was filmed before the one set in Munchkinland, so none of the Munchkin actors would have been around MGM at this time. Plus, it's hard to believe that several actors, crew members, and post-production staff that were present at the today would have ignored it and carried on filming. So that's, yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> that is
1: fucking weird. But it was it so wasn't true?
0: No, it wasn't true. It, they, apparently they just, they had to use, they used birds for like, out like, even though I can tell this film in a set, I guess to make give it like an outdoor feel thing to it, it, they had wild birds coming around. I guess it was like blowing the silhouettes of a bird. I was saying, like an emu or something, or a crane. I mean, this film was in the thirties, dude. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the only people that would know is the people that were still alive. It's hard pipe hard to find those people alive now. Yeah, who work on that film? So I mean, the only people that were survived were like the Munchkins, <laughs> the actors who played the Munchkins. So it's like, honestly, I think they get together every year and they have a reunion every year. But yeah, and but, according to this, it's like they seem it, it's a cringe mm-hmm. And I mean, looking at the picture, I mean it. Yeah, I can see why. I can see, someone hanging, but I, can see I can see the legs it's like a bird. Like a crane leg like, staying like this still, like this. Yeah. So And sometimes you see movies like that. Like when they film in the studio, they'll have like animals and stuff. They'll have like birds or pigeons or unless they have to go outdoors, they'll have like cats or dogs or something for outdoor scenes. But they have animals inside, like you gotta have like a trainer present. So they're really birds, I'm assuming they have like animal trainers in the background behind the scenes or something controlling the animals, but just to give that, that outdoorsy feel. Alright, number ten. Bill Cosby purchased the rights to the little rascals with the intent of destroying them. What the heck? Okay. First of all, fuck Bill Cosby. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bill Cosby. He always is is... Says here, here's the rumor. Rumor has it in the late 1980s that the Cosby show brought the rights to the little rascals with the sole purpose of destroying them. According to the legend, Cosby, who at the time was well-known for his civil rights activism and for not being a sex fiend, felt the depiction of Buckwheat was offensive to African Americans and didn't want to repeat such a classic show on TV. The comedy shorts originally aired between 1922 and 1944. Although its depiction of black people is questioned by today's standards, it was normal for the time. Supposedly, Cosby got his hands on all the negatives and disposed of the films. So, before I read the debunk, um... I'd never seen the original One Rascals I mean the only thing I saw Was that one film In the 90's uh, It's funny because And they that was the same, But, it's- but <sighs> Often they're parody Like in Saturday Night Live But it's funny because Those shorts are still showing but On classic TV program Like Me TV or something Or TV Land or something <laughs> But it's like I could see Why this rumor started around Because of it But I mean At the time they were kids you know, 1920s, 1944. So, yeah, the time period of that, it's like, you know, yeah, I can see why by today's standards it would be offensive to the African American community. But it's like, I never heard about this, about Cosby doing that. I mean, he had Felt Albert in the Cosby kids, so, but I mean, that's like, same with that as well. But it's like, I don't know. That's That's interesting. In itself. But here's the debunk of it. Apparently, it's false. It's false. So that was not true. But well, apparently, he did it. but the other thing was, he did take part in a, ca- Cosby did take part in a campaign the 60-stop episodes to Amos and Andy from airing. Charles King, who actually bought the rights the, in the 70s, did make significant edits to Little Rascals racially instead of the content, but the shorts has since been restored. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, okay, that, that's, that was an interesting man big. Okay, I think this is the one that everybody probably knows. Supposedly, you know, um, this is a Disney one, guys. Supposedly, the big myth that probably everyone probably will know this is number nine on their list that Walt Disney was cryogenically frozen. <laughs> See you know how the wrist like, oh, they froze with his head or something, and he's buried in the one under the Magic Kingdom or something, or he or was, Walt Disney was, yeah. But look at this, says this here, beloved animator and Theme Park founder Walt Disney passed away in nineteen sixty six at the age of sixty-five. The movie legend has been a, had been a heavy smoker all of his life, eventually contracted lung cancer, died in hospital, a hospital of secretary collapse after only a month after his diagnosis. His remains were cremated two days later and his ashes scattered at the Forest Lawn Memorial Lake in Glendale, California. Although that's the official story, there's a persistent rumor that Disney decided to try and extend his life by having his body cryogenically frozen in hope that he could be revised sometime in the future. However, that rumor is false. Supposedly, I guess, supposedly um this guy by the name of Bob Nelson, who was the head of the California Cry Jack Society, what he said that Disney approached him to say he wanted to be frozen. But well, apparently, since Disney did not stay in writing his will. His family opted to pretty much cremate him in instead.
1: This
0: Since the first instance of a course being conjured frozen was performed in 1967, after a year after Disney's death, I meaning if he had gone ahead with it, he would have been the first person the first to ever do so. So, they, this, Chronicle jinx was pretty much a new thing. Supposedly, it's a the theory where you can freeze somebody and, and with the purpose of be able to revive them later on. Bondo has been, apparently, it was done in 1967, but it's like you think, I mean, there's that gag in Austin Powers too. Because when Awesome Powers and Dr. Evil end up getting themselves Be frozen and they got revived. So I can see where they got that theory from, where Awesome, you know, that movie Awesome Powers got that thing from. But yeah, there's been rumors from that. But I mean, I don't know if Cryogenics is true. If that theory has been tested, if that is correct, that you can cryogenically kind of freeze yourself in order to be five years later. I don't know if there has been a successful. Um, since so revival from a cryogenic state, I mean it's been done in movies and you know in pie and books as well, but I don't know if um if that's ever done. I, freezing ourselves. I don't know if that's been, like, even done. Like, to this day. I don't know if it's ever been done. I'm
1: sure there's people still trying to do it. Like, rich people
0: We You think know. that's every true, dude? Because it's like... Sure. 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 I mean, yeah. I saw an awesome part when they freeze him, he got revived in 1999, and the whole gag was he had to go to the bathroom the long peeing scene. Yeah. <laughs> It's like evacuation. <laughs> He's still going and going, but it's a movie, so I don't know. I have to. I don't know if this is actually true. If you can't come back after being contracted be frozen, that's something to be topic for another time. But yeah, so Disney guys, he was cremated and his ashes were spread. So yeah, I know uh, they made jokes about it in Family Guy about it, and I guess in the, in the Robot Chicken they had one where Walt Disney's head was revived and he goes crazy and stuff. But it's based on, you know, on myths. I think for this, it's like... That's real funny, but... Oh, yeah, it's it did with Han Solo in Star Wars, but he was car- frozen in carbonite. And he came back from a frozen state, but... Ooh, this is a good one. This is a really good one. I think this one, of the most famous ones. Um, this one is called Poltergeist is Cursed. I don't know if you ever seen the film Poltergeist. Yeah. Supposedly... well. Back in the 80s, I would say, according to this article by today's standards, 80s horror Portuguese isn't exactly terrifying. But probably back in the 80s it was. It says here still the supposed stories from behind the scenes are seriously spooky. So this is from Screen Rant, guys. The original Steven Spielberg produced trilogy focuses on the Freeling family who moved to a new house to discover it's haunted by ghosts obsessed with the youngest daughter. Poacher was released in June of 1982, and within months of the film's debut, a cast member was murdered. Twenty two year old Dominique Dun Dunn, who played the oldest daughter Dana, was strangled in her driveway by an abusive ex boyfriend and was sadly taken off life support five days later. The death Yeah, this is supposedly the curse. The death of one cast member doesn't amount to a curse, no matter how tragic it may be, but Dunn's passing was far by elders. Julian Beck, who played Kane in Portuguese Guys 2*, died from stomach cancer at age 60. He had been diagnosed before accepting the role, so his death was hardly a shock. But in 1987, Will Sampson, who played Taylor, also passed away from a degenerative condition as well. Jeez. It says there, however, the most famous death linked to the poetry was that of Heather O'Rourke, who played the family's youngest child, Carol Ann. Famous for the creepy as hell line, They're here. The little girl. The little girl They're here. O'Rourke was only 12 years old when she died from cardiac arrest and septic shock caused by an incorrectly diagnosed intestinal issue. So, she wasn't the last to go. In 2009, Lou Perryman, who had a small role in the first installment, was murdered in his own home by an and ex and X. What the heck? Ah. Wow. I mean, i never seen poetry, guys. But I've seen this been parodied, but that is. I don't know. Do you think that's just. Do you think that's more of a myth or just more like a common coincidence? Not
1: actually, that's just a coincidence, but it, it, it was real that it happened. I think it's crazy that. It, I think it's more of a coincidence, but. The but, movie is definitely. I think it's cursed,
0: too. You think the production was cursed? I think the movie
1: itself, yeah. I think the production
0: was cursed. Because it's kind of weird, like all these actors. All
1: events happening within one. Yeah, with those actors and that circle, and, at, and for them to just kind of face such brave things uh, one by one, so close, mm-hmm. t- with such close ties, it's just, you know, it's hard, it's hard not to call it a, a coincidence, um, and, and say that it just didn't happen for a reason, but fuck, it's crazy. Hmm.
0: Well, apparently that wasn't another movie. That was curse? Here's number seven. This is about the omen. I don't. I haven't seen the omen. So I see, you guys. I'm not a horror person. So, I mean, I, we have cousins that are into horror films, but I'm not. I'm not a horror film guy. I don't know why, but honestly, when it comes to horror films, the only ones I ever, I think the only one that ever freaked me out was it from the '80s. That was it. But looking at Friday the 13th now, Jason's like. Yeah, I can see why people were scared by then. They, they were going jump with the effects and stuff. But now, today's standards, it's like... With everything with CG and stuff, like, scary movies are not scary. They're more like, okay, they'll get you scared once, but every you're like, oh, okay. I don't know. To me, it's like, scary movies don't draw me that much. I don't know about... What about you, Biko? You're, you're into, like, horror movies? Yeah,
1: I like them, uh...
0: But you think they give you, like, that shock value or something, or just...
1: I form, but, uh... Not that. And, uh, they just have to really stick out mm. hard for me these days it just depends but the classics were great growing up so let's we'll sort of top those um, compared to now which a lot of people kind of rely on jump scares and easy tropes to try to hopefully tell a story sometimes it's like lack of plot to drive the scares cause, you know the build ups are important too in telling a story Sometimes that's lacking. There's a lot of horror movies now, and and I don't know. Are you 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 need that creativity nowadays. Hopefully, to bring the horror genre back. Mm-hmm. There's some promise, but you know, it's you need more people to kind of throw some hits in there in the game.
0: Okay. All right. So this is uh, The Omen. This is number seven on Scream Rant's list. Uh, Narco says supposedly like the Poetry Guy's some um, classic '70s horror The Omen is to be cursed. The film was about the Antichrist and is iconic in his own right, but the addition of supposed Chris definitely gave it an extra something. Supposedly it's about, you know, this family gets this kid, and supposedly he's the spawn of Satan. He's the Antichrist. I think there's, like, some scenes where, all for you, Damien, or something, and, like, the one girl that falls off the ceiling of the other thing, he's riding his bike, and he's trying to turn somebody, like, kill his mom or something off the stairs. And supposedly it says here, the film began shooting in 1975, it was real with problems from the very beginning. While traveling for filming, the planes of actor Gregory Peck and producer Mace Newfield were struck by lightning. While Harvey Burhardt's flight had a near miss, and that wasn't creepy enough, another plane was chartered to the studio for aerial shots, but was replaced at the last minute. The aerial shots were filmed successfully with the replacement plane, while the original crashed, killing everyone on board.
1: Damn.
0: But that was in all. and the restaurant that Newfield and Peck booked for dinner was bombed by the IRA, before Newfield's hotel was bombed by the same terrorist group. Worse things occur, including an onset animal handler being eaten by lions. However, most of the hellish manifestations are pretty easy to explain anyway. Planes are actually hit by lions all the time with no harm done, and the IRA would have had bombed both for the whether Peck or New Hill were there or not. It says, One instance more difficult to Capacitles is a coincidence, showing after the U.S. premiere special effects artist John Richardson was traveling through the Netherlands with his companion Lismore. Richardson was responsible for the film's myriad of death scenes, including the particularly memorable one where David Warner is decapitated behind a truck. While driving, they crash, and Richardson was decapitated right in front of Moore. Okay, so what do you think of... What's your take on that? Jesus. What do you think of that? Of that thing?
1: First of all, that's...
0: All that sounds nuts. Oh. Oh. I think I see it as bad luck. That's how I see it. Yeah. But I will call it a curse because it looks like a lot of these things happen outside of production. Mm-hmm. But I well, yeah, I saw it with the with the whatchamacallit with the per damn hugging by lion. That's kind of weird. But ah man, you think that kind of hits harder more than what the poacher guys one was?
1: Yeah, because well, there's more they both have kind of a good amount of death but that one just hits a little harder I think mean, because the ending isn't such clear cut you know it's still pretty bad this one actually hits
0: kind of worse I think man a guy driving with his, with his companion and he gets in a car accident and mm-hmm. loses his head that's just ah
1: because it's like unfair mm-hmm. Uh you don't you know, like to see that and and it's, it's sad because he's doing, like, a thing that, like, I think it makes it worse because it hits more. Fact, because pe- I mean people do that every day, you know, Drive with somebody in the car. hmm So I feel like with, that can happen anyway. And, and if it's, you know, your, the other person could survive and whatnot, but they still got to live that experience. and It's even worse, and I think that one has to be a more impactful thing. For everyone involved. At least uh, myth. But, oof. that myth would move. That one's not a good one. Uh, that,
0: that myth is not as well. Hmm. Okay. Let's who the next one is. Okay, number six is Stanley Kubrick helped NASA fake the moon landing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Supposedly, <laughs> this is what the article says. It's funny. This is the screen I put it. Remember when Stanley Kubrick faked the moon landing? No, us even neither. <laughs> but this is what conspiracy theorists seriously believe. The idea that the U.S. government faked the moon landing isn't as old as the event itself, and despite the fact that it's been scientifically proven, it just won't go away. Still, adding the possibility that the sci-fi director Stanley Kubrick helped him out adds a whole new dimension to the concept. Supposedly... Apparently, something last year, a video was released in which Kubrick confesses that he assisted in faking the moon landing. Supposedly shot ahead of his death in 1999 and hidden away for 15 years, the web documentary was created by someone called T. Patrick Murray. In the video, Murray claims he had been attempting to interview the acclaimed director for years and eventually attained a shocking revelation. In the footage, Kubrick explains how the U.S. government bribed him to make the film after Washington 2001, A Space Odyssey. What? That he considers the footage his masterpiece. And suppose this is with the quote that he got. Suppose this is from Kubrick saying, I perpetrated a huge fraud on the American public, which I am now about to detail, involving the United States government and NASA, that the moon landings were fake and that the moon landings were all fake. That I was the person who filmed, he says. However, ego-eyed, not so ego-eyed viewers clearly noticed that the man in the table is obviously not Kubrick. Then an unedited version of the documentary somehow made its way onto YouTube, in which Murray refers to the corporate lookalike as Tom. So, yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, honestly, I wasn't alive when the moon landing happened. Was it 1969 was when we were supposed to land on the moon? Yeah. I mean...
1: <laughs> well, they're still talking about that as we... I think it's still
0: like a back and forth but with him with Kubrick supposedly being the one task I think it was just a guy who was like I said he was probably a conspiracy theorist and you know with his whole talks not like Kubrick but the guy who did his documentary oh
1: yeah Murray
0: guy but it says he'd been trying to get dream, but Kubrick died in 99 right so it's like before the
1: movie came
0: out before the documentary came out so it's like But it's funny how you end up getting somebody else to do it look like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. kinda. Mm-hmm. I I remember this one. This one always pops up a lot. I always think the same thing. It's like he always gets thrown into this mix of whether we did land on the moon or not. And I don't know. I just I feel like we did, but at the same time, I don't want to question anything either. But for the most part, I want to believe that we do. Cause so I have more reason to believe that we did than we did. Mm-hmm. So I like to say we did. But if Kubrick was part of it, like what the hell? It's a lot. Would keep that
0: a secret by now? Yeah, because honestly, why would he keep that secret now? He didn't say anything it's before a lot to keep a secret. Yeah, to it. I mean, if he was For like, it, I mean, unless he was being pressured by it. But if there's no thing saying he was being pressured about it, and this guy named Murray was trying to get an interview with him. I think he decided to create it as a way of saying oh he bought the director so much when he died but he never got a chance to interview him but it's like I mean that footage yeah I, I mean it's kind of hard to fake it but it's like I mean the way it's so grainy like the footage is like grainy so you can't really tell I mean based on the pictures and stuff it's like it's kind of hard like they'll have like some these pictures of the people on the moon but it's like of the astronauts, well, it's kind of, you think it's kind of hard to fake that, but...
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard, because, you know, we've both never been to the moon.
0: Yeah, we don't know.
1: So we have nothing to reference it with. hmm We can hold that they won, but there's, I mean, there is reasons to doubt it, that's for sure, but at the same time, it's like, fuck, why would they lie? Like, what, what do they gain from them? I'm saying that it wasn't real. And if it was real, damn, that'd be crazy. What a
0: big lie. Yeah, I mean, it if they were trying to do this just to get funding for the space, I so might understand why.
1: It would definitely change Kubrick's uh, career because
0: I mean, he directed 2001: A Space Odyssey, but the I mean, to say that he was behind it, I mean, was I mean, I don't know if this was it's supposed to start after he finished filming it. I mean, I don't know. if There's any newspaper articles on it about it, but if he hasn't, if it, if it wasn't a big story, which I don't remember seeing anything about it, but honestly, it's something like that I mean, come on, this is a sink over at night now. They created genetically modified mosquitoes right now. It's like kind of, I mean, if <laughs> as far as to do this, I'm like, I can see why, but I don't know. I believe we landed on the moon. I believe the, the Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong. And the other guy I forget the third guy's name But I believe they made it on there But it's like The only way they can tell Is those guys You know It'll be them The problem is You gotta talk to them Because they're the ones Supposedly that did it They had to give you the truth It's them Like Bozalder and all that I think is still alive But So I mean That's the only people That you probably get Your clerical proof Is to actually talk to them In person Hmm Okay all right, let's move on. Well let's go ahead and take a quick break and then we'll we got like five more myths. So we'll got four more myths guys to discuss and then we'll go right into uh Beagles pro life tip of the week and We'll I'll do my anime selection for the week and we'll go right into trivia. Alright guys, so stay tuned, um take a, take some time to listen to these ads. Um and we'll be right back. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or an existing broadcaster looking to take your interviews and podcast episodes to the next level, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Visit Poddex.com to get your Poddex today. So, right now, if you go to teespring.com slash talk and pop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care. All right, guys, and we're back to more talking Pop. Hope you guys enjoyed those ads. Um, here's number five. And of course, it's one of those. Uh, based on those Disney myths. The old Disney, Disney animation myths. Um, here's one of them. Number five was... The word sex is in the scene from The Lion King. And the rumor was that... Disney places several hidden messages in its animated features... Are as old as the time itself. And apparently... It was true. Um, however on several occasions as a true telling true, truth is hearing according to screen Rand, for example if you pause at the right time you can spot a top-lips woman in the background of the rescuers or a shot of Jessica Rabbit's lady bits in the original version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit it's all you have a really good laser disc player or a really good VHS I think some people actually were able to find the shots of that and share it online but I wouldn't be surprised Disney Plus already like fixed those things
1: yeah.
0: um, but I think they said that mostly they did that just to make just to poke the animators, poke making fun of each other or something. To just get a chuckle from the hell animators. Uh, it says, however, there's one syllable message in the Disney movie that isn't as naughty as it was people wanted to believe. And here's what the myth comes from Liking. above About the two thirds of the way through the Lion King, there's a scene where Simba flops down dejectedly in a pile of dust which floats into the sky and appears to spell the word sex. Cue outrage from the eagle eyed parents and ruined childhoods for those who were old enough to have a set through sex class. However, it turns out that it actually just is the studio giving a shout-out to the special effects department, SFX. Oh, well, yeah, I do.
1: I've that.
0: Um,
1: Some we people were trying to say that it said sex, But, but she- if you look
0: at the shot, it's, you can tell it's an SFX. Yeah, I
1: always thought that it
0: said SFX. Yeah, I always thought it was SFX because it's like...
1: Oh, okay. Well, then there you
0: go. But those are things I did see... Yeah, I did see, like, the the one about the rescuers. I think somebody found a screenshot of that. And the, the driver wasn't even me. I never heard about that one. Mm-hmm. It might be just probably something unfinished. I think if you sold down frame by frame. But I think just people that are trying to find out mistakes in films. Who have time on their hands to find mistakes. But yeah. the Lion King one, I, thought, I, always, thought, I always saw that saying F- SFX. Same. So, like I said, anything about, like, movies now, they'll have an Easter eggs. some sometimes they'll shout out to the animators and stuff with the department members. Like sometimes people will like films will do like Easter eggs just save a shout out or like Toy Story that Pixar would do like little subtle messages to like the other films and stuff. But that one's kinda of interesting, but um okay, number four. The Texas chainsaw massacre murders actually happen. Okay. Corner screen rant. Like many horror movies, the original version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was marketed as a true story. Although Letterface and his teenage victims were the stuff of fiction, the story was based on the real-life murderer Ed Gein, who also inspired psychological thrillers such as Psycho and The Silence of the Lambs. And supposedly, a resident of the Plainfield, Wisconsin, Gein murdered two local women, tavern owner Mary Hogan on December 8, nineteen fifty-four, and Bernice Woolen on November 16, nineteen fifty-seven, with a shotgun. Supposedly like Leatherface, Guy really did wear his victim's scalps and faces as masks. He also liked to exhume corpses from nearby graveyards and make trophies from their bones and skin. However, his motivations as well as his murder weapon were very different from his movie counterpart. Guy supposedly sported his victim's skin because of his desire to be a woman. In a style similar to Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. Rather than a skin disease, like in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Guy was a suspect in several other missing person cases after being found guilty of killing holy women, spent their man his life in a mental institution. And supposedly, I guess here in a nice note, the house in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is almost identical to Guy's real home. Yeah,
1: I remember, that one. I remember
0: that one. So what do you think? I mean, I never saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I think it's this is one of the things where... um they get, it's like, like, with movies, sometimes they get inspired by real tragedies. Mm. And it's kind of funny when you see something will say, oh, based on a true story. So like, um, you gotta understand, that kind of like, that phrase in it itself, it's almost like a myth itself. Because sometimes they'll say inspired by a true story, or inspired by a true events or based on true events. That's because
1: it doesn't have to mean
0: that. Mm-hmm. And the idea of letter faces in a chainsaw and the face max, okay, I can see why. Mm-hmm. But it says that it's based on a rumor who skinned his victims. And of course, Buffalo Bill from Science of Lambs, who had that famous say phrase, it puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. But it's like. I will see why. I think. <sighs> May of course Texas Chainsaw murders it takes place in Texas. I mean, well in this case this act this this real murder was based out Wisconsin. But I can see where the 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 creators like the writers got their inspiration from. And I think in Texas, yeah. yeah, I think the reason too was to make it all seem like a ba- true based on a true story. I think it was just try to get more attention. Mm-hmm. But I will say this is not like a myth. It's more like. Uh. I, I would consider this a myth. What do you think? What's that? myth? That supposedly the Texas Mars is is
1: <laughs> this thing kinda of happened or it did happen in a way.
0: hmm
1: And so it was art that imitated life that became art at mm-hmm. the same
0: time.
1: hmm So it did it did happen. I mean it's crazy that it did. But man, I mean those are just two separate cases that happen to correlate.
0: Yeah, it's like a comic coincidence. Yeah, and
1: the person made it into a cool movie.
0: That lasted for years to come. Okay. okay, here's another curse. Here's another uh, another curse. Uh, this is called Atuk. Um, supposedly, this movie is, is... Atuk is a story of a naive Inuit who moves in New York City. The screenplay, written by Todd Carroll of the National Lampoon fame, has passed... Has been passed around Hollywood since the 1970s. And has had almost been made several times, but every single actor assigned to play the lead has died. Apparently this is known as the Atuk curse. And this is why. I'll read the list. <laughs> this is from screenrant.com. John Belushi was supposedly the first victim of the curse in 1982, not long after reading the script and agreeing to play AutoK the 33 year old actor died of a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Next was Sam Kinison. The set-up comedian and actor filmed one scene before dying in a car crash in 1992, almost exactly a decade after Belushi. The third actor attached to the two to die was John Candy, who had a heart attack in his sleep and passed away at age just 43. This was strange as Candy's heart attack took place on March 4th, a day before the 12th anniversary of Belushi's death. The final big death related to the film was Chris Farley in 1997. A huge fan of Belushi's, Farley was about to accept the role when he almost also died of an overdose, sure. also aged 33. The script has been in developmental hell ever since, even though most of these deaths can be explained away as bad lifestyle choices by the actors chosen in the role. You know, Kennedy had struggled for years with weight-related health issues. Farley and Belushi had established drug problems. And it says it's still pretty freaking creepy. Yeah. I mean, what do you think of that? You think that production's cursed, or you think... No,
1: no I, don't, I don't think that's... I think it's just a coincidence, but, no, know, I don't think that they're cursed tied to that one movie. I don't think all their deaths are attached to that one movie. I don't buy that, but I think it's just a coincidence. But it's crazy how all their deaths are like that. Very similar in nature. Mm-hmm. But I just don't buy that it's part of that movie. Yet, because it was
0: never done. <laughs> it was never done. I
1: don't know why it never was
0: <laughs> I think because based on the actions Like they decided not to make the film yeah. It's like yeah It just doesn't sound like It's
1: ever gonna get made anyway No it's not, It took it's not like a movie.
0: I don't think they'll make it. Today's standards I doubt it's gonna no, ever get made Definitely not I think they were trying to make it as Like a comedy I'm assuming that's what it was mm-hmm. Probably like one of those Like fish out of water comedies You know someone from the internet tribe Who comes to the modern world Like a different Probably. culture Like I would see why It'd be yeah. interesting but I'd watch that. I watch it, but it's like now problem is like who knows if they're gonna and we wanna step up and take control of it. <laughs> but now that's interesting. Here's number two. A stuntman was killed during the chariot race scene in Ben Hur. Um apparently, according to a screen rant, it is frequently cited a stuntman doubling for Stephen Boyd was killed during the taping of the chariot race scene in nineteen fifty nine. William Wyler directed Epic Ben Hur. And then to this rumor also claims that the clip of the death was used in the final cut. Against the wishes of the stuntman's Green Widow. Lifelike dummies were used to simulate civilians being run over, which soon had added fuel to the myth. However, lean man Charleston Heston's 1995 biography In the Arena, the veteran actors say that no one was seriously hurt during the making of the iconic scene. On the other hand, stuntman Joe Canoe was thrown from the chair, Flying 30 feet in the air, miraculously escaped serious injury, and needing only four stitches to his chin. In fact, much of what was made made of the care and extensive safety procedures put to creating the scene, which took about five weeks and one million dollars to make. So I would say that is basically just an elaboration.
1: Yeah.
0: But I mean, it's been this is where a person did die doing a stunt. Um, case in point, like Deadpool, to the stunt woman for Domino and that one scene, Deadpool when she's riding a motorcycle, she ended up dying in an accident. And that's in the case in point. Out, and I think the family did uh, sue the studio for Waffle, uh, for, for you know, not following safety procedures. But I mean, Ben Hur. I've never seen the film. I mean, like I said, some people know that some someone has people that actually worked in the production. But that I would say, yeah, with Charles, I are saying that you know they took enough safety precautions that the actor pretty much, you know, he only had a few minor injuries, and they apparently they use dummies for like when someone falls off and stuff. Like it's it's more common in movies where they use like you know prosthetic dummies as like stand-ins or something or. You know, when somebody's falling off or something, off a cliff or something, they use a stand like a dummy stand-in. Or they do, let's say they film somebody, they go to, like, a studio, film in front of a green screen, and they film, like, that way as well, too. Yeah. It's just, just assimilated, but... that I can see more is that either there was a rumor started on set, and, you know... On that, that's just, I would say, that's pretty much, you know... Like I said, that, to me, it's another one of those, you gotta ask people to work on it. court course, Judging Heston... His biography said that the guy always suffered minor injuries. Okay. Number one. This, oh, this is interesting. There's an alternate ending to King Kong vs. Godzilla. The third film in the Godzilla franchise, King Kong vs. Godzilla. Apparently this was done by Toho, not done by Universal. Um, remember, even though there's supposedly a planned King Kong and Godzilla later, who knows when this is going to happen, you know, based on the reboots this year by Legendary Pictures. Um, pretty much, uh, according to... This is the number one, guys. number one myth that screenwriter put. Supposedly the third... This was the printer franchise. And supposedly the movie was a big hit. Um, It racked up about 35 i us say million, 355 million yen in grosses in its origin country, Japan. In case you didn't get it from the title, the film was about Balto, Godzilla King Kong, who was brought to Japan from his home of Faroe Island to star in a Japanese TV show. In 1963, an American production team heavily dubbed and released an English language version of the film. Apparently unhappy with the fact that the giant monkey beat a fire breathing dinosaur in a fight to death. A uh, rumor began in the U.S. that the ending had been altered for the English version and that if you watch the film in the original Japanese form, Godzilla would be the winner. However, that is completely false. King Kong won all along whether fans like it or not. Sorry, folks. <laughs> so even in Japan, I mean, Godzilla, I mean, I never... I mean... i <sighs> never seen any of the Toho Godzilla films. There's times where he's like the good guy. or There's other times where he's like the bad guy. He's like an anti-hero, if you think about it. But I think the reason why they had King Kong face Godzilla is because of the fact was, you know, King Kong was America's, like, monster. And I think just to have a change of pace that Toho wanted got King Kong to win because they wanted something new, something fresh. Because maybe the uh, Japanese audiences were tired of Godzilla always winning. And they want something new, something fresh. And they also probably want this film to be appealed to American audiences. I think this was... And, of course, you know... This adds to an idea of localization because honestly, you know, in America, you know, we localized a lot of foreign films back in the day where you can't finally find anything of the original language version of these films. So it's like you have to like and may, maybe there was rumor that supposedly that um, that supposedly the American producers want to make that Godzilla one. They want to kick on the loose because they felt that, you know, wise King Kong alive, you know? Because if you've seen the King Kong Fields, he doesn't make it, but it's like, but like I said, it's another thing of rumors, but I don't know. What do you think of that myth? Uh, it's
1: alright, I don't know, I mean.
0: I would say that's number one, but.
1: Yeah, to see it as number one is not too big of a deal, I don't, because I don't fucking King Kong's enough about it to be like oh damn well I guess you're right and it's like well I don't know I guess it's a myth because I don't really believe
0: it because I don't but I
1: still
0: don't know too much about it but for number one it's kind of stupid. yeah uh, I don't like it I don't like it, number one it's a number one myth in movie culture I guess you yeah I would say the movie culture I could see why but I don't know it's just it, to me it's kind of weird Um hey Biko, if you want, let me go ahead and throw it to you. I'm gonna take care of a little friend here to make sure he gets fed again. You wanna go ahead and um, bring up some Life Pro tips and if you have since you didn't do one last week might as well give two tips this week. Alright. Alright, go ahead. I'll turn the floor over to you. What I mean by
1: life pro tips are just things that I want to say you can carry with you to help you through this crazy thing we call life uh, as we go and it could literally be about anything and what I kind of find is uh, what I like to go is kind of scour the internet and see which ones I do like at least when I say that, I mean read it usually because I do follow what they can post and one I did see is kind of a pretty decent uh, what I think is pretty good on both parties is um, my pro tip is if you receive great service in a restaurant for those of you who who can go to a restaurant still not have a service and want to leave a positive review please be sure to mention the server's name It's a small gesture that will really help them when it comes to negotiation for a pay raise and help them stand on the job interview i can't i think that's a good idea on both people because you're going to help the server with a great uh, review on their service and it speaks highly of them and plus it's, you know, it doesn't hurt you by leaving a good review obviously you don't have to, it's just for you going the extra mile so I think that's pretty good on your part because it does help them when they negotiate and they they know that customers that do like them for their service and what you do so it doesn't hurt you and it doesn't hurt them um, another thing I want to see, I want to say is Another life pro tip that I did like is uh, if you're buying electronic devices that you don't use often, such as power tools, tools, or hair clippers, vacuums, kitchen mixers, things that kind of like you're gonna get, it's gonna last you for the long haul that you're looking for. Always get like a corded version of it. They're usually gonna be cheaper for you. They're going to last you a lifetime because the battery the battery version of these things are only supposed to last you for a few years until they flake on you. And you have to get the newer model that they probably are going to release within those new years be you coming out for it because uh, these people are always going to be making wireless uh, appliances as we get more and further down the road. Things are going to get more smarter, I am want to say. Things are going to get wireless, things are going to connect to the Wi Fi like it's nothing, so we're going to get more used to things being battery operated and uh, using corded things never hurt anybody still and uh, I I, I like this enough and it kind of also helps with sustainability and and making sure people are not being so wasteful Uh, but those are my life pro tips for the week Uh, I suggest you guys use them correctly and into whatever your life is and hopefully it becomes easier
0: cool Alright guys, Um, pretty much my anime pick of the week, it's called Monster Girl Doctor. So basically um, the story is, basically the whole plot, this is from Anime News Network, but this is something I started watching recently, it's on Crunchyroll. Um, this is based on a manga, um, Japanese, the real Japanese title is Monster Mosume no Oshisan. <laughs> I was able to pronounce it, okay. Um, basically, um, it's in the town of Little One where monsters and humans coexist, Dr. Glenn runs an exemplary medical clinic for Monster Girls with his lamy assistant, Saffy. Whether receiving a marriage proposal by a centaur, injured in battle, palpitating the injury of a mermaid, while suturing the delicate wounds of a flesh gloam, Dr. Glenn performs his job with grace and confidence. So, my take its right now there's seven episodes around Roll. Well, it's really interesting because it's like the whole... I mean, I won't say this is kind of like not of a harem type anime, but I mean, yeah... Most of his patients are female, but, I mean, he helps all... It's basically, it's one of those, like, stories where it's monsters and humans live together in society. That's kind of cool. It's, like, one of those weird things where you see on but it's a doctor, like, he's a, a young man who graduated from medical school young, and he, he and his, um, Lamia, um, fellow colleague in Safi, she's a Lamia, so she's kind of like a snake woman, basically. Um, they start a practice, and pretty much the whole sole purpose, he's a doctor. And sometimes there's some comedic humor and some risque stuff, but it's not that like, he's always... But the problem is, is like, he's so oblivious to, to the world around him because if he comes focused in his um, exam, um, medical exams, he becomes oblivious to what's going on around him. But it's real funny. It's really good. I like the animation style of it. And the characters are funny. I think um, Crunchyroll is working on a dub for it. But definitely check it out, guys. It's called Monster Girl Doctor. And I believe it's only available on Crunchyroll. It's a Crunchyroll exclusive. I've not seen on Funimation or High Dive anywhere else, but definitely check it out. So that's my anime pick for the week. All right. um, Other than that, um, Biko, I guess since he answered trivia last week, it'll be your turn to give me trivia. Oh,
1: crap. Really?
0: Yeah. Remember, (laughs) I gave you last week. Oh, okay. What? Can I do it for my phone? Yeah, you can do it for your phone. Um, Guys, when we do trivia, we we came across a site called randomtriviagenerator.com. It's kind of cool because they generate, you know, they have different categories, and I kind of figured just something. This is like what the fourth week we started doing it, and it's kind of cool to test our brains, and it kind of helps us, you know, realize major some things we know and some we don't know. But it's a good like brain teaser just to give your brain a time to like be able to the process and see if you can come up and see how you can answer. Here, let me give you the full address, random, yeah, it's all one word, random, Okay. Alright, let me know when you're ready. Like I said, I think it's my turn to answer this week.
1: To animals which eat both plants
0: and meat. You say, "What animals eat both meat and plants?" Yeah, omnivores.
1: That's correct. Ooh. All right. Um, what TV show featured the fictional the Stonecutters Fraternity?
0: That would be The Simpsons. That is correct. God oh, damn it. <laughs> um,
1: what
0: is the maximum high score that can
1: be shown on the screen in the video game Pac-Man? The maximum high score? That can be shown on the
0: screen. Will it be 999,999? That's correct. No way! Yeah. No way! That's correct. Holy cow! <laughs> it's not even fair. <laughs> it's not even fair! Wow, I just guessed. Like I, I hmm.
1: what rock band brought suit in nineteen ninety four, claiming that Ticketmaster was an illegal monopoly?
0: oh man, I'm not much of a music person. That much. You said it's a rock band, right?
1: Yeah, in nineteen ninety four, claimed that Ticketmaster was a legal monopoly. Nineteen ninety four.
0: Oh. Metallica. Two more chances. Red hot chili peppers? Nope. Smashing pumpkins? It was pearls jam. What? Close. Wow. Close jam.
1: Really? Huh. Two more. Okay. What Stephen King novel features an evil clown named Pennywise? That's it?
0: Uh-huh. It. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's correct.
1: Which actor was the first?
0: uh, that's a one. I'm sorry. Oh,
1: you know what? one too. <laughs> he lost one too. I'm to pick one. Okay, I'm trying to find one to so you, but no one. <laughs> <laughs> one open faced Italian omelette is, despite its name, more often baked than fried
0: open Italian.
1: What's the name of an open-faced Italian omelet? Despite its name, is often baked rather than fried.
0: I didn't know it, there was an Italian style of an omelet.
1: Sure is. It <sighs> is sort of for breakfast. I can tell you that you would see it
0: on the menu. I would see it on I the menu. I never thought
1: it'd be Italian. But
0: it makes sense though It says an open-faced omelet. Hmm. I man, honestly, I don't know. No. No.
1: It's a frittata.
0: A, fr- fr- frittata. a frittata, really? Just frittata. just frittata. Oh wow! Just frittata. I heard the name before, but I didn't never thought it was an Italian style. Yeah, wow. I didn't know. It was, I didn't know it either. That is really interesting. Like that's like wow. I had no idea
1: it was
0: Italian. Ah. That was French. Well, I got two wrong, but
1: yeah, that was pretty
0: good. That oh, was pretty good for the week. Um, other than that, I guess that's it for this week, guys. Um, thank you for you know joining, your time with us, and like I said, um, anything else to add, Beaker? Cool before we sign off. Um, keep your six
1: feet please guys before we go back to
0: shutdown again so can get this right people, so you can travel again please yes I do miss being able to travel somewhere yeah. <laughs> so yeah so we'll see you guys next week um I know August is almost over guys wow <laughs> so alright guys stay safe social distancing like Biko said wash your hands wear a mask when you never need to be um you know help to curb the problem help to curb the issue um And pretty much that's it. Um, you can catch out the backlog of episodes at anchor.fm slash talking-pop. You can also find us, like I said, you can find us again on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple, and iHeartRadio. Um, you can go on our Facebook page as facebook.com slash Um, We also have a Twitter, at poptalking. All in one word. You can tweet us there. We have a merch store, guys. It's tscreen.com look for stores look for Talk and Pop we got shirts um, I am working on getting some of the new designs soon might get a Biko shirt in the works because I got this program called Logo Creator so I might have, make some new merch and there uh, you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash 685 I am the casual gamer I do like to play a lot of story based JRPG games visual novel games right now I recently played Final Fantasy 7 Remake I started playing the first part of it and recently I just did a 4 hour play of uh, Sakura Wars this morning So if you guys want to see that, um, like I said, make sure to hit that follow button and that way you guys get notified when I stream again. Thank you so much for joining us this week. As always, geek on, take care, wash your hands, and Black Lives Matter.